developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you, you define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Lynn and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today visiting with us is my friend and colleague, Dr. Jennifer Zalman. Dr. Zalman is truly an amazing person as you'll quickly see her passion, power, success, creativity, and huge influencing abilities. Today we're going to talk about August is Vision and Learning Month, as well as the Infancy Program. But before we start, let me just share a little bit about Dr. Zolman's very impressive and adventurous life. Dr. Jennifer Zolman grew up in Eastern Ohio and attended the Ohio State University, completing her Bachelor of Science in Human Nutrition. And then she obtained her Doctorate of Optometry at Nova South, Southeastern College of Optometry in 2006. She is a fellow of COVD, College of Optometrists and Vision Development, and she's the owner and CEO of the Drazen Vision Group in Charleston, South Carolina. Dr. Zolman is quite active professionally, serving in many optometric organizations, including being on the COVD Board of Directors. She's chair of the American Optometric Association's Infancy Program and clinical director of South Carolina's Special Olympics Club, and many, many more groups that I'm not mentioning right now. Her passion is in mentoring tomorrow's doctors, and she serves as an adjunct clinical professor at five different colleges of optometry. And she's also a residency director in vision therapy and pediatric optometry, affiliated with Southern College of Optometry. Dr. Zolman's bio continues on and on and on with all the many honors and awards, and I encourage you all to take a look at the show notes on this podcast, and you can read more about her details and wonderful accomplishments. When she's not involved in professional duties, and I'm thinking that must be like from 2 to 4 a.m., that's just my guess, but during some time of the day, Dr. Zolman loves spending time with her beautiful family, her husband, Michael, and her four great children. So welcome to Vision Beyond Side Podcast, Dr. Zolman. Thank you so much, Dr. Hellestein. It is an honor to be here. I'm excited to talk a little bit about vision and learning months and just children and what we can do to help educators and parents and caregivers really set up for success for their kiddos. So, Dr. Zalman, let's just jump in and tell us what is August Vision and Learning Month? What is it and, you know, why is it important? So, August was first declared Vision and Learning Month in 1995, and it developed with the College of Vision Development. The overall goal is to help increase awareness among parents and educators 
on the prevalence of undiagnosed or misdiagnosed vision problems. So some of the things that we know about 10% of school children or about 5 million in the United States alone have significant vision problems. And these kind of vision problems really start to interfere with their learning and their education. Due to the incomplete nature of vision screenings that most of these children are receiving, many of these vision problems can be missed completely or misdiagnosed as learning disabilities. So children who are growing up with these undiagnosed vision problems usually are pretty unaware of them. They don't know to tell their parents or their teachers or caregivers because they don't know any difference. They think that is how they're supposed to see. They don't know they're not seeing differently from their friends or their classmates. Children with vision problems that are not diagnosed and treated, they, they'll often struggle in school the whole way through and go on to become adults with these same vision problems. These I, are not. Yeah, these can are I stop you for just a second? Yeah. Can you explain what are some of these vision problems you're referring to? Um, so let me, some of the things that we'll see, some of the kind of big indicators or signs and symptoms that you'll see with these children. Uh, as a parent, a lot of times we will hear in our office that the homework is such a struggle. So it's a battle every night. It takes hours. Children also often avoid reading. They avoid near work type of activities. Um, so those are some of the things that we hear from parents that will be happening, uh, the signs and symptoms that they'll notice. But the problems that I'm talking about, a lot of times when we think of vision, we think of uh, 2020 vision, but there's so, so much more behind that. There's actually about 17 visual skills that we need for learning. Um, some of these skills, they involve the way that the eyes work together as a team. So whenever we are reading or looking at a digital device or near work, our eyes are actually tracking across those words. So we have eye movements. The eyes also come together as a team in a movement called convergence. They move back out in a movement called divergence. We have peripheral vision that we look at, depth perception, the way that we see ourselves in space and the way we perceive we are in space to another object. So this also involves our eye-hand coordination. Our handwriting is another thing that we look at, which is the fine visual motor coordination. And our brain is involved so much in vision that it processes a lot of what we are trying to interpret in vision perception. So those are just a few of the skills that um, I'm touching on that would affect the way that we, we learn besides just the visual acuity, that 2020 vision. So what are some of the other signs and symptoms? You mentioned a couple mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. of behaviors like not doing uh, completing homework very easily. Uh, but what are some of the other more common signs when parents or teachers know what to look for? You'll see it so commonly with kids, although mm -hmm. As we all know, many of these kids just avoid doing their near work, so they don't have any symptoms and, and uh, parents are surprised because there's no symptoms, but they're not even doing the tasks that would evoke symptoms. But uh, list a few of these signs and symptoms that parents and teachers might observe in these kids. Sure, Lynn. Um, five 
pretty common ones, I would say, inattentive or, e or easily distracted. They often will lose their place when reading. They may be complaining about their eyes hurting when doing near work or reading, and you, you can kind of see redness, tearing, rubbing eyes. They often feel tired or fall asleep when reading. Um, a few other things that you could, if you're really honing in, especially some of the educators, while they're reading, it might be indicative of an eye tracking or ocular motility problem if they're skipping, rereading, or omitting words, using a finger or a tracker, kind of putting a paper only over the area that they are currently looking at. They'll often mistake words like the beginnings and the endings of their reading. Um, if their eyes are not working together as a team, sometimes they will actually com complain of double vision, but often they make accommodations. So you'll see them tilt their head, turn their head to align the eyes. They can also kind of slump over, cover one eye with their hand. So they're just taking themselves out of that binocular vision situation. They often also can complain of words moving on a page really hard to focus, maybe seeing like a shadow behind words. And then there is also the vision and learning type of issues that we see. And this is when children will confuse letters or words. They can reverse letters or words. They often mistake left and right directions. Um, they may have some poor motor coordination. We also see this showing up in sports. So they're having trouble like difficulty hitting or catching a ball and really just knowing that their school performance is not up to their potential. So a lot of times if you can tell a child something and they get it versus them reading it the same material and they don't get it, often that can be a vision problem. They're not getting that information into their, their brains to process it. So you've listed a lot of behaviors that are yeah. really, you know, parents and teachers see this all the time. I think mm -hmm. the missing link is parents and teachers don't understand that vision is our dominant sense for learning. So if their child is struggling or avoiding tasks and not performing potential, I mean, vision should be the number one place you start looking at. Um, you know, sometimes it's obvious, as you mentioned, but sometimes the kids are squinting or they hold the books too close. But so often they either avoid or it comes through these behaviors that you've been talking about. Um, in fact, some of the literature and, and, you know, the literature varies in the percentages of if you look at children with special needs, mm -hmm. you'll see it could be 60 to 70 percent of those children um have vision problems mm -hmm. uh, if you look at more severe cases of you know brain injury and higher level cerebral palsy and and down syndrome i mean the percentage is very very high 70 to 90 percent of those kids may have a visual component so so i think our issue and that's why this you know you're on and and we're <laughs> celebrating vision and learning month is that vision is our dominant sense mm -hmm. yet in schools it's these problems are so easily missed i mean why is it all the parents think you know my doctor did a screening school did a screening why aren't these problems being picked up if they're so obvious and mm -hmm. common yes lynn 
you are hitting the nail right on the head. Really, depending on studies you look at, about 80% of what we learn is through our vision system. So if we are missing the boat with the vision system, these kids are not going to be able to learn no matter what tools we give them. Um, I also ha had a study that showed about 84% of students with an IEP for a learning prob problem also have an ocular motor issue. So a lot of states do not include a comprehensive eye exam as part of the testing battery for an IEP. And me personally, I think that should be one of the first things like you indicated that we should test for so that we can find them the visual help they need so we can at least clear that off their plate if they do have a learning disability that we need to give them some other accommodations for. The vision screenings that you mentioned, so, so many times in my office, I have parents come in and I'll ask about their families and I'll ask the last time their child had an eye exam because I know they hadn't been in my office and they'll reply with, oh, they passed their eye exam. They had that at school or they had that at the pediatrician office and they truly believe that their child had an eye exam. This really produces a false security that the child has passed their eye exam. These screenings that are being done in most places often are just addressing the distance visual acuity. And this is what we all know of as the 2020. So that's what we think of perfect vision as the 2020. But when you really think about it, especially now since the pandemic in 2020, our children are not learning in this way. They are not looking across the room. They do some work on smart boards, but they, that is not how they're learning now. They're learning with technology and digital devices. One thing, even with my children, with 2020 and the virtual learning, so many companies have come out with tools and testing protocol that are done on the tablets and on Chromebooks in the schoolroom setting. And this is here to stay, this is not going anywhere. So our children are gonna continue to have this near vision strain for their learning and their testing. One of the um, studies that the American Optometric Association did with screening showed that less than 4% of eye tests needed to help children see are being done at these screenings. And about 75% of children are actually getting missed with these other vision problems besides that 2020. So those are all those tools that we need, the vision that we need to see up close is getting missed. And then about 61% of children that were even identified are not getting the follow-up with the doctor or getting help. So our children really just need that in-person comprehensive eye exam that accurately addresses near vision, binocular vision, ocular health, and then also checking for that 2020 distance. You know, again, children's vision learning month, back to school time is that perfect time to go ahead and knock it out so you can set your kids up for their highest potential to learn. And it is back to school time for a lot of uh, students. Hard to believe the summer has flown by. But what I often will see um, is come October, November time is a real crunch time for so many families because they've had their kids in school now for a couple months. And now the problems start showing up. They're becoming more independent, more work's being done in October, November is when often families have their first review with teachers and teachers are, are beginning to show some concern. So we'll often see a real influx of patients come that, you know, second, third month after school starts. 
as to what's going on. Uh, we're going to take a break here in just a couple minutes, uh, Dr. Zolman. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about what type of uh, exam you've mentioned a little bit about the exams that you need how you find an eye doctor to, to really work especially for kids that have uh, vision problems affecting their learning and uh, we'll get into uh, a bunch of other great items as well in just a few minutes can your child see really see more than 2020 does your child struggle in school have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back. This is Dr. Lynn, and we have the honor of having Dr. Jennifer Zolman with us today. She's an optometrist who um, not only owns her own practice, she uh, really trains a lot of optometry students, and her special interest is especially in working with pediatrics and young kids and vision and learning and vision therapy, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Uh, we're celebrating August as Vision and Learning Month this as we've been celebrating since I believe was at 1995 when uh, that was proclaimed. And it's so important. Visions are dominant sense for learning, yet so often if the kids pass their 2020 eye te- uh, screening, everybody thinks that vision is fine and there's no problems. And, and you and I know we've had so many kids that pass those screenings, they come in with double vision, with tracking problems, focusing problems, eye-hand coordination, and the list goes on and on. So let's get back to, you know, how do you find an eye doctor? There's lots of eye docs and you can, you know, go to a number of choices, but how do you find a, an eye doctor that really is going to Give your child a vision evaluation, not only for eye health and glasses, which is important, but especially at young ages, that's usually not the issues. It's all these focus, convergence, tracking, and other problems you mentioned. So can you explain to our listeners how to look for an eye doctor who's going to provide the appropriate testing for your child? Sure, Lynn. Um, So one of the things that you do want to seek out would be a behavioral optometrist is always a good place to start. So most of these eye doctors are looking at every aspect of vision, um, the, the way that we use our vision to learn in space and beyond just the eye health, which they look at that as well in the 2020 vision. Um, the College of Vision Development that is at covd.org does have a doctor locator, has a lot of optometrists across the country that specialize in this area of vision development and these type of issues that can affect learning. It's usually a pretty intense eye exam, not just looking at acuity, but also looking at how the eyes team together. And if it's indicated, even looking at some things a little bit deeper, like vision uh, perception and how we process what we see. 
So it really is a big component of the way that the brain works with the vision system. So we know vision is brain mediated and the visual acuity is only that very tiny part of these skills we need for functional vision. So diving just a little bit more deep into some of those in some of these more extensive testing procedures. So a five or 10 minute exam by a tech isn't usually going to get the kind of results we're looking for. Is that correct? Absolutely not. So I would, yeah, it's usually going to be a much longer, more intense exam looking at all some of those skills that I mentioned, but pretty much all of the skills that I had mentioned earlier, how our eyes are functioning, not just the acuity that we're seeing. So absolutely, it's a little bit more intense. We use different types of equipment with lights and lenses and prisms and some um, other equipment to actually look to see exactly what is your vision system doing. So the flow, and you you tell me if it's different, I'm sure there's some differences, mm-hmm. but the flow in, in our office, for example, would be an appointment for at least 30 to 45 minutes is the initial appointment. And, and a lot of it looks the same like other eye appointments with all the high-tech cameras mm-hmm. and instruments and screenings. And then a lot more time spent in history and explaining what's found as well as a significant amount of testing at near, like you mentioned. And then if we think we have a kiddo with special needs, crossed eyes, lazy eyes, you know, learning problems, we have them back for another hour and a half evaluation, which is totally different than most eye exams where we're looking at the visual processing. And then we have a consult to decide, is there a visual issue? Do we need to do something about it? And what are our treatment options? Is that similar or different to how you work in your practice? Yeah, that's very similar to what we're doing as well. Because we are still doing the comprehensive eye exam to make sure the health is, everything is good there, the side vision, we're testing for all of those. And then we are diving a lot, lot deeper to look for these vision problems that can affect the learning. Very similar process. We also work very closely um, interdisciplinary with other entities such as concussion doctors, neurologists, OTs, PTs. I think that's another part that you won't always get with just a comprehensive um, eye exam with a tech is you are, we're diving a little bit deeper, again, looking at all the tools that we can help the child navigate the learning process. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad you mentioned about the collaboration with other professionals because probably the main uh, referral sources for our our kids that may have some special visual problems, and we're talking about all kids. There are a lot of kids that are doing great in school but still need glasses for seeing or focusing. But then we're talking about a subgroup of kids as well that may have vision problems that really impact their learning. And a lot of those referrals for us come from psychologists learning specialists, learning disability, dyslexia specialists, uh, but especially the psychologists. And, you know, why, why would we be getting referrals from psychologists? I'm assuming you probably get a number as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think a lot of the conditions that manifest as learning disabilities or some of the behavioral problems are exacerbated or can possibly even be masked through vision problems. So a big one we know of is called convergence insufficiency. 
that is the inability for the two eyes to come together to team. So we, whenever we look at any near work, our two eyes come together and that allows the eye to focus. And if that is not happening, it's very uncomfortable for a child. So again, the words may be moving on the page and they are being made to sit still and try to focus through it. And we usually see two things. Someone will work really hard, but struggle, or they just, I can't do it. And they will act out. They'll want to be out of their seat. And so some of these things manifest as some of these conditions like ADD and ADHD, or maybe exacerbated by it. But some of the symptoms are very, the signs and symptoms are very similar. So we do have, we do work with some different professions that will send just to roll out some of these conditions or address these conditions that can compound with things like ADD and ADHD. Yeah, thank you for that. And there is some preliminary research that shows that, uh, and I know I've had patients that have been identified by psychologists or physicians, these patients identified with ADD or ADHD, and after giving appropriate vision therapy treatment, some of these patients have been able to get off their meds. We never can promise that. There's, you know, ADD and ADHD, of course, has multiple etiologies and causes. But often, when you can improve somebody's ability to focus and see more accurately and efficiently, um, some of the results we might get could show up in better attention and focus. Let's talk about what are some of the uh, tools and the treatment options if we should find some of these vision problems you know what kinds of things in optometry do we have to offer for the public mm-hmm. one of the the big things that is out there is optometric vision therapy and this is retraining the brain to use our vision systems correctly so depending on what the diagnosis is and it's usually more than one that's involved we retrain the brain, the neuroplasticity of our brain is amazing. We retrain the brain to use our eyes in space, figure out where we are in space. So that could be with convergence insufficiency, there's actually a study called the Convergence Insufficiency Treatment Trial Study. And it indicated that in-office vision therapy can correct the problem. With that, it's in-office vision therapy, often they also are doing some work at home we use things in the office like prisms, um, lights, lenses. We often put the vision system in a state where they are using both eyes, but we can determine if one is turning off or suppressing, if they're seeing double vision. There is a lot of technology out there as well. So a lot of our kiddos that come in have a good time in vision therapy. We are using 3D, we're using virtual reality now. So it's a lot of pretty high tech things that are coming into the vision therapy scope and seeing that are just advancing things, getting things to go a little bit quicker. the visual perceptual, the way that we process that, we also train those type of conditions that make things easier to understand what their vision system is interpreting. Some cases we use prism in the glasses um, and different types of occlusion activities if they have an eye turn to do like a partial occlusion by nasals, those types of things. So there's a lot to it. 
but we are getting such great results. And a lot of these kids are getting back on track. They're getting caught up to where they should be on grade level. We see some kids that come on a very low reading grade level. And by the end of their treatment and time with us, they are right back on track with their peers. Yeah, that's why we're in the field we are in, isn't it? Uh, Because to see, you know, I happen to have this and I'm going to just take a moment to read this success story. Uh, We have our patients at the end of therapy. uh, Right. What changes have you noticed since beginning vision therapy? And uh, then we, we have a board and post these. And it's so heartwarming because you're going to see that changes that we see. If, if vision is a major interference in somebody's life and we're able to help them have better functioning, it doesn't only change their seeing and double vision. Let me read you the success story, which is a fairly typical result if we have the right patient or the right treatment. So this is from a mother, an eight-year-old. Uh, the mother's not eight years old, the patient was eight years old. And she writes, vision therapy at Hellerstein and Brenner Vision Center has been life-changing for us and Greg. He was compensating so well, we had no idea of his vision difficulties. Uh, Greg was a uh, child who had actually been identified as being gifted. Uncovering his double vision and tracking problems led us to the vision therapy program. After 28 weeks of in-office and at-home therapy, Greg is now crushing baseballs and reading the books he loves so much all on his own. He is one happy and confident little boy ready to take on the world. And so, you know, it's stories like that. She didn't say anything really. She did mention the double vision and tracking, but really talked about the behavior and the emotion status of the changes when you have a kiddo who knows how to learn, who's smart, but just struggles with these barriers. Um, The results can be, I mean, it sounds miraculous and it is uh, because when when confidence comes into play, uh, those kids can just take off and and like, like she says, conquer the world. And that's what's so fun about the work we do. So I I did want to share that. you, I was going to say, we're changing lives. We really are. You will sit with some of these parents, and I'm a parent of four myself, so I know <laughs> I know exactly what it's like, and you are, you think it's your fault, and when you find out it's a vision problem, and, you know, cry with these parents, but then celebrate and cry happy tears with them at the end. It's, it is so fulfilling to see, and the kids, too, they come in with very low self-esteem. They think they are not smart. They think, that you know you can just see them dragging they that's what they have in their head and then when they learn that there's something that can help them and see them succeed their personalities change the spark in their eye comes out it's just it's so moving you know you just speaking warms my heart because that's (laughs) that's that's what moves me and it's you know even i've been in practice over 45 years and that's why i'm even doing the podcast because to see the difference in life that this can make for a child who has vision difficulties uh, touches my heart every single time. Um, I want to back up just a little bit, and you talked about vision therapy. You want to also mention not everybody needs vision therapy, and not everybody has these severe problems, but talk a little bit about you know prevention and the types mm-hmm. of lenses, contact lenses, and early exams You know that we can do to 
hopefully catch these kids early or prevent some of these problems from happening? Yeah, just um, you asking that question, there's a couple of things I can hit on in those areas. Um, the first one that I would say is the importance of early intervention and then the yearly comprehensive eye exam. The American Optometric Association, they do recommend the first exam is between six months and 12 months of age. And many parents have no idea that that is the recommendation that a baby can have an eye exam. They then recommend at age three before kindergarten and then a comprehensive eye exam every year after. Um, I think one of the most important things you can do as a parent or caregiver is to start your baby's vision journey outright and continue with that lifetime of healthy and comfortable vision. And I want to touch on a program through the American Optometric Association that is called Infit-C. This program was developed 16 years ago, and it is a no-cost eye assessment for babies ages 6 to 12 months. The exam looks for any major eye health problems, and then also refractive conditions, which are like nearsightedness, farsightedness, or a difference between the two eyes. Also looking for major eye health conditions like congenital cataracts or baby eye cancers like retinoblastomas. And we look for eye conditions that can decrease the vision and create lifelong problems like amblyopia, or you may have heard of it called lazy eye. The earlier that these conditions are diagnosed, the earlier they can be treated. And really that preventive eye care is just as important as in, um, you should be done as often as your pediatrician visits for your babies and your children. So I'm a big advocate of infancy. I think that when you get the baby in and if there are any concerns, we can continue to watch through the development. You, we can really knock a lot of things out at that age, like lazy eye. I think if every baby had an eye exam, we wouldn't have refractive amblyopia or, uh, lazy eye. So I think that that is a program that should be utilized so much more. And I wish every new parent could know about that and find out about it. There are providers across the United States. If you're looking for a provider, you can go to infancy.org to find that as well. And if I could stop for just a second here, um, I want to make sure we'll include the link for infancy on our show notes of the podcast. But I want to emphasize, because parents, you know, are surprised, it is a no-cost exam for you in the first year. Find a provider, and it's a great way to start with education and, and true prevention. And I know you see it because you're so involved in infancy, but parents will say, what, how can you examine a baby's mm -hmm. eyes? You know, which is better, one or two? And what's the mm -hmm. kid supposed to say? And, mm -hmm. and we laugh, but we have technology and tools to really get a lot of information as long as we can keep that baby happy and having their eyes open. And so uh, you'll be surprised what can be done even at an infant stage. Infancy exams are one of my favorites when I see them on my, um, on my schedule and my students love doing the baby exams too but we yes we use light lenses we use some different gradient patterns to find out what they're seeing we look at the health we use some equipment that we can see if they have any large prescriptions glasses prescriptions so we can actually get a lot of information and they are really fun they are fun for your baby the baby thinks we're just playing with them with all of our little toys and bells and whistles so it's a good experience for the baby as well. And the parents, I think, enjoy it. 
Some of the, you had mentioned, uh, Dr. Lynn, about other things we can do for our children. One of the things that is very um, out there right now and on the rise is myopic progression. So I know that's a big buzzword, myopia control, that's nearsightedness, but there are a lot of technologies coming out now with contact lenses and even some ophthalmic lenses that are will be coming down the pipes that are going to be helping with that myopic or nearsighted progression. So that's one of the things also that if you can find a provider that specializes in myopic progression, that's gonna help your children from becoming very nearsighted at a young age. With all the near work we're doing and the decrease of getting outside and playing, I think that we are gonna to consider to see the nearsighted and myopia on the rise over the next years. I'm so glad you mentioned that. And um, I actually just recorded a uh, podcast with Dr. Um, Noah Tannen and uh, yeah. on myopia nearsighted prevention and management. And we will be having quite a few podcasts with companies like MySight and they, mm -hmm. they have specialty lenses for that and other companies because it is the, I believe, the new wave of future of trying to reduce myopia, which is epidemic now. And you can learn more on future podcasts, but thanks for mentioning that great tip for uh, prevention. Any other kinds of uh, preventive help with uh, lenses and prisms that you might use and ergonomics? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so some of the other things that we do talk about uh, the comprehensive eye exams, anybody that have children is with all the digital devices use that is going on now, we do want to make sure our children are using these instruments properly. There's something called Harman's distance, which is from your, if you hold your hand up to your chin, down to your elbow, all the devices should be held at least that far away, if not farther if possible. Um, children do have smaller arms. The devices are being held a lot closer to their faces. It so what causes strain and focus. Yeah, what is an average Harman distance or distance for a screen, a phone, working distance about, for a little kid? So for a kid, it's going to be a little bit closer, probably about 12 to 16 inches. I mean, we want it really that 16 or past inches away. Um, with their little arms, though, often they're going to be, depending on how little they are, it's going to be held a little bit closer. Okay. So, you know, we really would like to have it back a little bit. Breaks on these type of devices is a big thing as well. Um, many people will talk about, or you'll read about the 20-20-20 rule, which is every 20 minutes take 20 seconds to look at something 20 feet away. I would like to see the breaks be a little bit longer than that, but you know, again, I know a lot of the homework is coming home on devices now. A lot of the testing, a lot of the learning protocols are on Chromebooks and things like that. So it's may not be as big a reality as it used to be to be off of these devices and that is our world. Uh -huh. I would highly recommend trying to get your children outside as much as possible. There are several studies showing that open spaces that allow for peripheral vision and awareness can help with things like the progression of myopia. Um, and even just being outside and playing, they're working on a lot of their visual motor skills, climbing trees and being on the ground and things like that, especially when they're younger, that development will actually help your vision system as well. 
Yeah, that is great. Well, Dr. Zolman, we're close to the end of our time. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap it up here? I just would highly recommend that every child is getting that comprehensive eye exam that is also looking at the way they're focusing at near their binocular vision. When you set yourself up for the best vision, it's really going to set your children up for their best ability to learn and really reach their highest potential in their academics and sports too. That is so great. Uh, how can um, our listeners reach you or um, get more information? Do you want to give some contact information? Sure. Um, so my office, I am at the Drazen Vision Group. And you can find us, our website, Drazen Vision Group. We are also on Instagram and Facebook as Drazen Vision Group. Um, we, the couple of the areas we talked about also were covd.org and infancy.org, which I know Dr. Lynn will put that in the show notes as well. Yes, all of that is in the show notes. And uh, that is great. Well, we really appreciate you, Dr. Zolman, for taking the time and for all the wonderful work that you do for your field, for your family, and for the world. And again, the importance of giving that child the gift of vision and start early. And remember, your vision doesn't define you. You define your vision. And take the opportunity to expand your vision, see with clarity, gain courage, and confidence. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Zolman. Thank you, Dr. Hellestein. You're welcome, and thanks to the audience, and enjoy the August Vision and Learning Month. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.